Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Lewins, uh, consultant in paediatric emergency medicine uh, based in Derby. Um, and I have two very special guests today that I'm really pleased to be joined by. Um, firstly, a returning guest, um, that's Dr. Hannah Jacob, who's a paediatric registrar based in London and chair of the RCPCH trainee committee. Uh, good morning, Hannah. How are you? Good morning. Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Um, and I'm also very pleased to be joined by uh, Professor Russell Viner, who's a Professor of uh, Adolescent Health and is, of course, the current President of the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. Good morning, Russell. How are you? Hi, Ian. Um, I'm very well, and uh, thank you for inviting me on. Pleased to be here. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, the future of paediatrics and, and specifically uh, the Paediatrics 2040 project. Russell, if I can ask you first, um, when you became president of the Royal College, was the, the Paediatrics 2040 project something that you already had in mind? Uh, yes, absolutely. And in fact, um, I think it was in the manifesto or the document I wrote um, when I was elected, it was something I was very keen for the college to do. It wasn't called Paediatrics 2040 at that stage, but I knew that I wanted to get the college to do a detailed um, future visioning project um, for, for reasons I'll come on to in a minute. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say, if, if that was something that was very important to you at the outset, I guess, yes. why, why was it so important to you? Why? Okay. So the Paediatrics 2040 project, I think, comes a lot from my belief that if we just focus on our problems here and now, uh, two things happen. Number one, you know, if you just stare, at, if you're walking along and you're staring at your feet, you fall over. So using that as an analogy, if we just stare at the problems that are surrounding us now, we will have solutions for the moment. We will have a limited range of solutions and we won't necessarily get ourselves out of those problems. We'll be reactive rather than proactive. Whereas if we actually look to the future, we can imagine the future the way we want it to be, and then we can have an influence on that future. I'm a great believer that the future, and look, unless you dream about the future, unless you imagine it and plan for it, that future is gonna to happen to you and it will inevitably happen to you in ways you don't like. So actually, Looking to the future is a way of making the present better and getting to a future that you want. Whereas if you just react to problems in the here and now, we're always worried about X, Y, and Z. We can't take that longer view. I think that's where it came from in a conceptual sense. It also came from a second place, um, which for me was about, I wanted to get our profession talking about the future. I wanted to get people excited about the future because one of my concerns when I became president was that there are a lot of problems around at the moment. We're exceptionally aware of those in the college. I personally am very aware of them um, through my clinical work and talking to members. But I, I wanted us to look past that, to really remember why we do paediatrics and get that sense of, uh, see if we can build on some of that enthusiasm to get the future right. I think that's so, you know, Without going on too much, that's for me where it came from. And I was lucky enough to be able to, in, to convince the College Council to invest and take the project on. Yeah. And from your perspective, Hannah, um, how did you sort of get involved and, and, and why did you get involved in the project? So um, Russell asked me if I would co-chair um, Paediatrics 2040 with him as part of my role within the training team. 
city. Um, and I was actually really keen to be involved because I think this project is quite unlike most of the other things I'm involved with at the college, which are either dealing with um, things that have already happened or indeed thinking about you know, education and training over the course of the next couple or, or few years, whereas this was obviously a very different kind of project, thinking much more longer term, which is a really exciting prospect. And uh, from your perspective, of Hannah, what does it actually involve you doing? So my role um, in the project is kind of two, has two different aspects. The first is that I co-chair the innovation work stream with um, Damien Rowland. Um, and that is essentially um, looking at the innovations that we can expect within child health to be to be around in 20 years time. Um, and we've worked with, with our um, subgroup who have got a very wide, um, wide membership essentially to draw out um, some of the key innovations and also think about more, more generalizable um, ways in which the college and indeed paediatricians can be a part of, of making sure those innovations work for children and young people and people working within paediatrics. Okay. Um, Russell, from your perspective, Hannah talked about these sort of four streams. Um, Firstly, what are they and, and how did you sort of arrive on, on these as the four streams to, to look at? The four the, the streams are in there. We decided to break the work up into four work streams. Um, two of them are inputs and two of them, in a sense, are outputs, um, if that makes sense. The two inputs, um, when we try and think about the future, are one, a data work stream which I'm co-leading with um, uh, Steve Turner, who's our officer for Scotland, because actually getting a good geographical spread is very important for us in this project. So the data work stream is essentially asking the questions, how many children and young people will there be in 2040? What will they suffer from? What are the conditions that are coming? What, what you know, level of burden is coming towards us? What's going? So what's hot and what's not in terms of our practice? Um, so asking those questions and also looking at activity. How are people using the hospitals, outpatients, ED services? Um, and how is that changing? And we're going to use the data on those things for the last, say, 10 or 20 years to look ahead, 10 to 20 years. Because, of course, we can't know the future. But our best guess at what's going to be happening in the future is the rate of change over the last decade. So data is the first input. Um, the second input is innovation, the innovation work stream. And that's about what's changing in medicine. What are our best guesses about what will be different by 2040? And that's being led by Hannah and by Damien Rowland. And I think many of you will know Damien, who's someone who's very much at the forefront around digital innovation, um, pediatrician from Leicester. Um, and by the way, one of the things before I go on, if I can say, without going on at length, is that trainees and yeah. medical students and foundation year doctors are at the heart of this project just as much as the more elderly like me. Um, we wanted to signal that by having Hannah co-chair the project, but every one of the working groups has a whole heap of trainees and FYs and medical students on it because... You know, old guys like me are going to be hopefully sipping cocktails in the sun by 2040. Well, 
that's my ambition. But uh, <laughs> so it, this yeah. project's got to be about those who are working. Anyway, back back on on topic. So two two input work streams um, to look innovations about the things that are coming. Uh, Digital is clearly one of them. Genomics. Uh, this year in England, every child diagnosed with cancer will get a full genome screen. Um, there are pilots across the country, and it will be rolled out quickly, I think, where every uh, child in a NICU and every sick child in a PICU will get a full genome screen with a rapid, that's um, 10 to 14 day return of data or a clinical exome. And we're suddenly having to develop a whole heap of skills to understand what those data mean and how we use them. The genomics is going to rapidly change how we practice. You could see 10 or 20 years ahead, you know, potentially every child in this country may get a full genome screen at birth. There are real ethical issues about that. I absolutely get that. It may not be affordable, but in 20 years' time, my guess, I think my, our guess is that will be happening. AI. AI is a coming thing. Um, we can think, oh, well, you know, this is the NHS. We're not very good at it. But let's be clear. The future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. Last year in 20, I'm a diabetes doctor. Last year in 2019, I saw my first patients on hybrid closed loop pumps. And I saw my first patients who were what we call DIY looping, who were hacking their insulin pumps, hacking their continuous glucose sensors and running a crowdsourced algorithm off the net on their phone or their laptop to control, to use the data from the continuous glucose monitor to control their glucose pump, insulin pump. And that was happening totally outside of the NHS. Yeah. So this is here now. What's going to be the future for diabetes doctors and diabetes clinics if all patients are on fully automated AI systems? And that isn't just a question for 2040, that's potentially a question for 2020. So this is going to revolutionize how we work. Yeah. Two input work streams that much more important, of course, are what I'd call the output work streams, which take the data from the inputs and say, uh, okay, what does this mean? The first of those is the, um, is the models of care work stream, and that's led by our vice president for policy, um, Simon Clark, together with Nick Jay, Nicola Jay, who's our um, workforce officer. In the college and that's saying given the innovation given what we know is going to be our best guess of what's going to be happening how will pediatricians be working where will they work and how will they see patients who will they work with how will it work and that then feeds into possibly for the college the most important work stream the last one's called working lives which is okay given what we know about what's going to happen or best guesses about what's going to happen in 2040 um, how does the college train people for that future? And how does it support people for that future? How do we provide mid-21st century college support to um, our members? And that's not old boys in port and sort of 19th and 20th century versions of colleges. That's got to be a 21st century uh, version of what a college means. And of course, how do we provide that support over much longer working lives? But I'll come back to that later. I'm sure you'll ask me more about that. Okay, so those are our inputs and our outputs. From your perspective, Hannah, having sort of worked in these, what do these, are they workshops? What do they involve? And where are we at so far, particularly with your work stream? 
So I think innovation um, has been, we've done a mixture of things. So we've had um, an assortment of um, email chains, we've used an app um, to share work um, in progress, and we've also had a couple of face-to-face -face meetings. Um, and I think the face-to-face -face meetings have been particularly exciting because obviously it's always nice to meet people and kind of um, think together about ideas and progress things. Um, we have done a mixture of um, looking at particular innovations within our work stream. Um, and these are quite broad, range, you know, wide ranging. So everything from genomic testing on an intensive care unit um, to thinking about assistive technology in terms of voice recognition software for children with communication difficulties. Um, and, and then kind of more broadly, we're also looking at um, the, the ways in which we can create an environment that will nurture innovation. Because one of the key things is that um, we're aware that lots of the innovations that will be around in 20 years time actually already exist and really what we need to do is to think about how we can integrate them into our health service and into the, our ordinary working lives and thinking about things like the governance around that and how we can create networks because clearly we don't need all of these technologies available in every single hospital but we need everyone to have, we need to think about equality of access to lots of those innovations. I guess particularly your work stream must be very challenging because, you know, you're trying to sort of say, okay, here are the innovations currently, but if we're looking at 2040, trying to guess at what innovations might be down the road in five years, 10 years, 20 years time, actually must be really difficult. Yeah, I think it's, it's part of the challenge, but also part of the excitement. And I think we've tried to strike a balance between thinking about some of the specific innovations, many of which do already exist. Um, at least in some kind of theoretical or, or experimental way. Um, so we, we thought a little bit, or, you know, to some extent about the innovations themselves and then lots around the, the structures um, required to make them a reality, including kind of equipment, the staff involved, how we're going to store and manage that data um, and, and how we can make sure that, that, yeah, all children and young people and indeed all pediatricians have access to those innovations when appropriate for the individual and obviously what you're doing is I guess a continuous process um, do you kind of have a core group of people and, and is it as, as Russell alluded to is it sort of a, a wide makeup of, of different grades and different uh, sort of skill mixes yeah, so one of our um, key aims for, for 2040 was to make sure that we had broad representation within the college. And we're very lucky um, across the whole 2040 um, workforce, but um, I work most closely with the, the innovation group. We've got medical students right through to very senior consultants and academics working in the field. And, I, and, and we've got wide regional variation um, in terms of where people are from and where they're working and the kinds of centres that they're working in. And again, I think that's really important because actually one of the key things about 2040 as a project is making sure that we think about paediatrics in its widest sense, from um, big cities to very um, small hospitals and indeed community settings across the UK. And of course, the more junior members of our group in many ways are more invested because actually 2040, they absolutely will still be paediatricians and um, will be working in this service. And I think it's really, it's really important and really exciting that they've been a part of this project and not just um, a kind of superficial involvement, but really right at the heart of, 
of each of the working groups. Um, if I may take a slightly different tack then, Russell, if, if I, looking at this project as a, a grumpy elderly consultant, um, when 2040 rolls around, I'll be retiring, retired, thinking about retirement. Um, so why should I be bothered with something that's not going to affect me? Very good question. And I can't really imagine you as grumpy and elderly, Ian. But um, let, let's, let's say you are. Look, it's called Pediatrics 2040 because we're trying to look ahead 20 years. But I'm very clear that actually, firstly, we can't quite see 2040. I think we can definitely see 2030, but we need to stretch ourselves out to 2040. But secondly, I believe that you know, this, this project isn't just about a fancy look at the future. This is actually saying what very concrete things that does the college need to do now to start preparing for this future? So that's around how we train. It's around how we support people. It's about how we support people in mid-career um, mid so that they will be working potentially in different ways in 2040. And we will be doing that from the launch you know, of this it was from the report of this um, project, which will be in early 2021, so early next year. The project's got another year to run. So I think it will be really important for anybody who's working now or even just about to retire now because we're not, we are clearly very focused on our trainees and our current medical students who may be the ones who are starting to work as consultants in 2040. But also we want to look at how... Um, those who go into retirement continue to work in the profession and work with the college. Um, you know, we, we know about the pension crisis that's around at the moment. We're doing our best with government along with other colleges to see if we can shift things. One of the things that we all would like, I think, is that people who retire have more opportunities to keep contributing if they want uh, to the NHS, to training and a whole range of other ways. We all the movement for, for people is towards more portfolio careers and retirement doesn't in the future doesn't necessarily need to be that um, massive break the other issue is we don't want consultants to get grumpy before they retire we want to look at how we can help them step down off rotors earlier and have more portfolio careers yeah and uh, i guess you know that that's good to hear uh, from a trainees perspective Hannah um, I guess you, you might have come across some resistance to this to say to say well look why should I be investing in something in the future when actually my immediate problems are that there are rotor gaps. Absolutely and I think that this was um, my initial thought actually when Russell and I first talked about this um, and I think I, I um, perhaps from having come from a view of being a bit sceptical about this project, I'm absolutely a complete convert. And I, I think the reason being that this work is absolutely not to replace the, the reality on the ground of wondering who's going to carry the registrar of leave tonight. Um, but actually that this absolutely complements that because so much of what we do clinically, but also unfortunately in terms of training is, is around being reactive or at least very short term in our proactiveness and actually one thing that this project does which makes, quite, makes it quite different from all of that work is actually thinking more systematically having an opportunity to kind of move up from the page and think um, more 
more constructively about how we can how we can actually shape the future in the way that we want. How can we make training better? How can we use the innovations available to actually make our working lives and also the care that we provide to children and young people of a higher quality? Because that's really the ultimate aim. And I think that the yeah the day to day work on the ground must continue because evidently there are huge rotor gaps and that is an enormous pressure on on all staff. Um, and actually, this presents an opportunity to to think a bit more systematically about how we make things better. So you've both thoroughly convinced me to get involved now. Um, is it too is it too is it too late for for trainees and, and other doctors to get involved, or are you still looking to to recruit people into it, uh, Hannah? Absolutely, we really want people to continue to be involved. So we've got a, a survey that's open for members. Um, and that's a really important aspect of this work to make sure that we've got ongoing feedback from from people around the country. Um, and in the future, there will be there will be more opportunities to be involved. So what we're planning on doing is having consultations on aspects of the work as they um, bear fruit. And I think it's really important that we get a sense check um, from members about about what they think about the in the um, the output so far. Um, there's going to be lots of regional events around the country and we're keen that, that people come and attend those and, and give face-to-face feedback on, on the outputs from this project. There's also going to be workshops at the college conference in April, which is happening in Liverpool. Um, and, and we really do absolutely want people to be involved, so it's certainly not too late. And I think it's going to be really important to have members' input into um, the output so far so that we we can be sure that what we're coming up with sits sits well with people and, and feels to them like it would work in the context the varied context in which they work yes I, I, i'm glad you mentioned regionality there hannah because i guess one of the things that um does come up with the college is oh it's all very london centric it's all london based why should we in derby or the northeast or the northwest get involved is that something that you come across russell um yeah i mean it's certainly a perception we all have of um the colleges in general and people can have of rcpch um so we've worked very hard to make The, so there's, there's, of the four work streams, there are 10 commissioners, we call them commissioners per work stream, but there's also a whole lot of other people who've already signaled to us that they want to work with us. And those people are drawn from across the UK. We have um, uh, people heading up the work streams from Scotland, from Wales, uh, and the north of England, more than actually from London, quite definitely. And as I said, our medical students and FYs and trainees Uh, on the, the groups of 10 are, are spread across the UK. We, I mean, it was interesting. We've run quite a few consultations already uh, uh, about Pediatrics 2040, and we haven't run one in London. I was just uh, talking to uh, one of my colleagues about it the other day. Um, and in fact, I was in Derby, I think, what, a month ago. It wasn't for a full consultation on this, but talking about Pediatrics 2040. But look, this year, 2020, will be the big year for us coming out Um, to uh, all of the regions to talk about 2040. We've got a big online um, consultation and that will be in different phases. But we want to see people face-to-face, not just at the meeting, uh, the annual meeting, which is in Liverpool, of course, but actually where you live. So there's a programme of that that we will be able to um, publicise in the near future. 
So the project's been running a little while now. From from your perspective, Russell, where are things at, and and what's next? What's over the next twelve months or so? So project's been running for a year. The first year was particularly about the two inputs. Um, they have um, they will be pushing some input data to the second two work streams this month, next month, and twenty twenty is about the is particularly the, of those second two work streams um, and consultation with members. So that's what's going to be going on across 2020. So please look out for events happening locally and please go online. Um, go to the college website. You'll find our survey up at the moment and open for about another three weeks. Uh, we'd really be keen to hear from people about 2040 now and then also in the future. And they'll be launching in early 2021. Excellent. And um, Hannah, fr from your perspective, um, I guess people will say, okay, this is great. I'm, I'm keen to get involved. When do you perceive that we will sort of start to see the, you know, the fruits of this project? Yeah, good question. Because I think that one of the things that people have wondered about exactly as you alluded to before is around um, the impact on the ground. So as I mentioned, the, the plan is to, um, to offer some of the outputs kind of over the course of this year, really as a, as I said, as a, a bit of a sense check from people. And then we have a kind of big bang formal launch of the, of the kind of final output from the project um, in 2021 to next year with a view to, and that, that, that output will be a mixture of things. So, um, there are likely to be some policy recommendations to um, other organisations and other bodies, including the um, political aspect of things. But there are also going to be um, important work around linking it back to college strategy so that we can make some of this happen. And then thinking more also about how this becomes applicable to the jobbing paediatricians on the ground, because we're really keen that this not just be kind of high-level policy document but actually offer practical solutions to people on the ground think about how they may begin to integrate some of this into their day-to-day -day work. Excellent. Um, finally, Russell, then, if, if somebody listening to this podcast is uh, sort of not been really engaged with 2014 and thinks, actually, yes, I, I want to get involved, I want to learn more, what, what would you say that there are some main resources to, to learn more about the project? Okay, so I think the college website, there's a big um, 2040 page. Um, that'll, uh, so just search on the college website, that'll get you in. There's information there about each of the work streams, about the whole project. There's a few blogs and those sorts of things. And there'll be more information over the next few months. And Alison Firth is the name at the college of the person who's coordinating it for us. So again, if you ring up the college um, switchboard, uh, ask for Alison, get her email, get in contact with her. Or Hannah or I also get in touch with us. President at rcpch.ac.uk will always get to me. Excellent. Um, that's brilliant. That's That's been really useful to sort of get an idea of the overview of the project, why it's important and where we're going. Um, so, uh, Hannah, thank you so much for your time this morning.